Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into true crime cases through the lens of a trained investigator and former prosecutor turned judge. If you are sensitive to expletives, anatomical descriptions, and accurate descriptions of true crime scenes, this podcast may not be suitable for you. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Megan. And Megan's going to give us a story today. You know, I love to entertain you sometimes too. I love it. And as we have recently learned, we cannot forget our gri-gri because um, apparently we are those kind of people now who Mm -hmm. are um, superstitious. And if we don't do this, then bad things will happen. Bad things have happened when we didn't do it. So I'm shaking the bones. And I'm shaking shaking the the kangaroo sack. That's right. We got our good luck charms. Okay. And you know what? I think I'm just going to keep this one yeah, in my I hand think you and should. fond a little. In little. fact, if you want to fondle both of them sure. during this, mm-hmm. um, you might want to. I mean, okay. there's there's some bad things that happen here in this case. But I also want to tell you, you know, when you podcast and you do research like you and I do, we, we go off on tangents. Uh-huh. And they're healthy for us sometimes because we're both working on some deep dives and sometimes they exhaust you. Yep. And so randomly the other day, I was like, I'm going to look up just out of the blue, like, what are the most famous, like, unsolved cases from every state? And so I'm looking through all of these, right? A lot of them are cases that we've heard of, and some of them we'll probably cover at some point. And then I get to Vermont. Oh. And I'm like, well, what is that? That's not, like, a serial killer case, or is it? Mm-hmm. It's just simply titled Bennington Triangle. Oh, yes. So have you heard of the Bennington Triangle? I have, but I've not researched it enough to be able to speak about it. I just know it's kind of like the Bermuda Triangle. Girl, yes. Okay. And I found it interesting that something that would be possibly paranormal or um, at least mysterious Mm -hmm. would be their biggest unsolved yeah, case. that's really interesting to me too. But Vermont's it's kind of like small. the Diet Love Pass situation. Remember that yeah. episode? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's so we're gonna get into some stuff like that. I mean, I'm gonna present you with things like um like supernatural and maybe like Bigfoot. Oh my God, you're bringing the B. I am bringing you some Sasquatch Woo! level shit right here. Okay, I'm so excited. And it's good that you have those bones because we're going to get into some Native American lore as well. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. This is, um, I was not expecting this today. Good. I what hope a it's delightful a little light. treat. So the Bennington Triangle, by the way, is in Southwest Vermont. And okay. if you or any of our listeners, as I'm reading this uh, to you and explaining, feel like bringing it up so you can follow along and we'll find a picture to post to later. But okay. it's kind of fun to bring it up because you can bring up Bennington Triangle. It's going to point out to you all of these different little towns and areas that I'm going to mention. Okay, bringing it up. All right. So in the state of Vermont, centered around the Glastonbury Mountain, is an area known as the Bennington Triangle. People have reported strange events, including UFO activity. Yes. Bigfoot. Oh, my God. And other strange lights and sounds. Okay. Native American lore says the area is cursed. Mm-hmm. And the families of the five people that disappeared in the 1940s and 50s would agree. I'm seeing these photos. Yeah. Are you loving it? An Algonquin legend says that there was a malevolent stone and it would open up a hole in the mountain and devour whoever or whatever stepped on it. Mm, I hate that. They called it a man-eating stone. (laughs) Rightfully so. And I feel like (laughs) this is what happens if you and I go hiking. Yes. This is why we don't hike. There's a whole mountain. There's an area of miles and miles, like hundreds of miles. And we find the one stone that eats us. Agreed. It's not the murderers waiting on the trail. It is nature waiting to consume us. If someone told me that I would be murdered on a camping trip, I would believe it. Uh, You know, that's what the psychic says, right? But if you told me that a stone would suck me into the mountain (laughs) and I would never be seen again, I would be like, bullshit. (laughs) This is not going to happen. So Bennington Triangle, that term was actually coined in 1992 and credited to author Joseph Citro. It shared similarities with Bridgewater Triangle in Massachusetts, which is not far. So these are it's very not. closely located. And I have located. heard of the Bridgewater Triangle as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tell you just briefly about that. 
just to compare, but it is also said to be full of legend and curses, ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoots, and other strange and scary creatures. That area is similar. It's about 200 square miles, and the Wampanoag people called a swamp that was in that area in the Bridgewater Triangle, Hakamak, which is place where spirits dwell, and English colonists called it Devil's Swamp. So I bring oh, this up. I've had that in my the underwear before. Swamp. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens after a long jog. Yes. I bring this up, though, because these mystery triangles have existed since humans started recording events yeah. and, and their knowledge of them. And, of course, Bermuda Triangle is the most famous one. That's over water. But these triangles throughout the world exist in places over land, too. And these are, are at least two of them that we're very familiar with. Within the Bennington Triangle were the towns of Bennington, Woodford, and Shaftesbury, and the ghost towns of Somerset and Glastonbury. Mm, and I'll explain I'm a little bit. Them. I'm looking at I a do map see right, them now. right now. Mm-hmm. And they didn't used to be. I mean, the whole point of how something becomes a ghost town is once something was industrially active and for one reason or another, they lost their population, mm-hmm. usually industry related. Right. And for all of you Bigfoot lovers and fanatics or Sasquatch, I don't want to, you know, be in a, inappropriate or Let's not, not politically sensitive. I don't want to be politically cor- incorrect, incorrect to Bigfoot. Of course, of course. For over 200 years, there have been sightings of a Bigfoot type creature they have called the Bennington Monster. Can, can I insert my insert, recent knowledge that I shared with you please before? Please, tell, tell us, tell me about the Bigfoot. When I shared the knowledge before we recorded today, I had no idea that your case was... Go- How did you sit on that little secret because this whole time? I am a locked case. Oh my God, you did good. Because <laughs> I you. had no idea you were bringing good old BF into this podcast That's today. That's right, girl. Um, I stumbled upon a podcast that was just kind of like lighthearted and fascinating. I think it's called uh, What If They Were Wrong? Okay. Yeah. So what we'll, If They're Wrong? Yep. We'll plug them uh, for free for them there. But they had a, a guest on who said that she regularly communicates with fairies and Bigfoot. And of course, I see that in the title and was like, fuck yeah, we're listening to that Maybe right she now. would have some insight to this case. Well, she had explained that there are different places on the earth where where there's more open portals, as she described it. All right. Where you mean to tell me Bigfoot isn't of our earth? Bigfoot, according to her, is not of our earth. And he acts as like a scientist for the other realms because his body can handle our atmosphere. And so they're here to, they only let people see them who, when they want to be seen. And they're here to collect soil samples and data on humans. And oh um, my God, do they ever collect humans I, and send them back through the portal? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You've blown my mind and possibly so, solved the mystery of the Bennington Triangle, Charnel. And we're done here. It Not was nice can, talking to everybody today, spend, seven spend minutes seven and 47 minutes. seconds in. Yep. I can at least tell you who the victims are, though. Mystery solved. It's <laughs> fantastic. Yes. No, she says that they're very peaceful beings. Oh, and okay. That, um, but they will if they need to. She had an experience where one was growling at her. But it was because <laughs> of her reaction to it so she was being aggressive in her emotions and it made bigfoot growl at her but the other ones that she talks to are very peaceful is there so, i need to know just so, before i get into this because i think this is important to know is there are there any other significant things about a bigfoot that i should know like how does she describe an appearance and any odors anything like that yes there are odors okay appearance is kind of like stereotypically what we would imagine a uh, hairy large beings right okay um but which is why they can survive on our in our atmosphere something or other but (laughs) our climate odors a lot of people say after bigfoot sightings they smell an odor well she asked them about that because so many people have said that and their response was that it is like a metaphysical thing while they transport between the realms there's like a soft a a, a chemistry occurs there's a sulfury smell and so it just happens because of you know like whatever chemistry I'm I'm not even I'm not even sure you're doing it's so just, well explaining this so, well this is about as well as she explained I liked, it I like the, the smile way. on your face yes so there's swamps here and yeah. we all know and so I just talked about Bridgewater Triangle and, and Bennington has some swamp out, you know that swamps 
swamp ass smells. It's sulfury. Right. Right. That is fantastic. Anyway, fun podcast to listen to when you're just like, hmm. Light hearted. Yes. Their tagline is the podcast that makes you question everything. Dig it. Something like that. So it's just, it was an interesting situation. Well, you feel free to add any other Bigfoot insight (laughs) or mysteries of the unknown as I'm going through this because we could solve this as we speak in this, you know, 45 minutes or so. Triangle might be a portal. I think it's a possibility, and we all know now. So, if there's any of you hiking in this area in Vermont uh, over yeah. Christmas, Careful, let don't us fall let into us the know portal. and don't step in any rocks either. Yeah, please don't get ate by a boulder. In the early, so the Bennington Monster is what they're calling their Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Um, in the early 1800s, there was a stagecoach full of passengers that got stuck on a road washout. Okay, and they saw footprints that were too big to be human. Then, as these footprints are being observed, the stagecoach was violently attacked, knocking the stagecoach over to its side. Mm. Some of the passengers reported only seeing a pair of eyes and hearing a roar before this thing runs Mm. into the forest. Other sightings have witnesses describing a large black-haired creature over six foot tall. So your standard Bigfoot uh, explanation. Yeah. Okay. Stories of people going uh, missing had been rumored for hundreds of years. Sure. Serial killers will do that. But the first verified disappearance was a man named Carl Herrick in 1943. So Herrick had been on a hunting trip and had been hunting an area between 10 to 15 miles northeast of Glastonbury, which is the kind of ghost towny area. Carl had been hunting with his cousin Henry and the two became separated. Henry found Carl's body three days later. He reports that Carl was surrounded by what Henry described as large bear prints. Carl's ribs had been punctured. I'm sorry. Carl's ribs had punctured his own lungs. Oh, God. Okay. And so had, he was like crushed. And not only that, but the post-mortem cause of death was that he had been squeezed to death. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I was picturing. And experts weigh in that bears don't squeeze people no, to death. No. Yeah. They don't. To my so understanding. All the theories I wrote on here could have been a crush injury from a fall. Right. Could it have been Henry? I mean, let's just think of the obvious. You go to the person that was with you, the cousin, after you come up missing and And then then found the body. body. Sure. Or, you know, was he actually somehow squeezed to death? Was it King Kong? Right. Or or Sasquatch. The the Bigfoot, the Bennington monster. Okay. Yeah. That particular death there with Mr. Herrick. I don't find as much uh, information on. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's what we get, including the experts weigh in that the bears don't squeeze that the people. it wasn't a bear. Like that. <laughs> the bears and, don't squeeze in the In all the reported deaths that we have from bear attacks, uh, I don't think they find that there was just somebody, you know, picked up or, or, or crushed. Or even, you know, like when they jump on you in your tent, those type of things. Yeah. I mean, stranger things have happened and we've heard of some of them, but that's not where we're going with it. And I believe that there are mo- many individuals who obviously from this, if I'm not stating the obvious enough for you, indicate that those weren't bear prints. That was the Bennington monster. Yeah. All right. He's and building I, a reputation he, for he himself. Is, he is building a, rep- a reputation and obviously not out there just collecting soil samples. Right. Well, I mean, maybe there's good in all populations and bad too. Right? Oh, we've talked about this before. We have. You so. get one bad apple and the Bennington yep. monster is the shame of Bigfoots throughout the United States. Yes, yes. And to all the other Bigfoots, he's just crazy Uncle, Uncle Larry. That's right. You know? <laughs> God. All right. In 1945, a five-year span of regular disappearances began. So here's our regular span. So we have that outlier kind of back um, there with uh, 1943, uh, Carl, but started a year before. So in on November 12th of 1942, a 74-year-old hunting guide named Middy Rivers. Oh, I love that. Middy Rivers. M-I-D-D-I-E. I love it. Oh. So Middy Rivers is leading four hunters in an area known as Hell Hollows in the woods. These are woods that are southwest of Glastonbury. 
Rivers certainly knew the area well. He was described as a quote-unquote vastly experienced outdoorsman, and no one knew the quote-unquote backwoods better than Rivers. So this is a 74-year-old man, a hunting guide who has lived in this area his whole life, knows it like the back of his hand, and literally is employed to take people hunting. Yeah, and isn't scared that someone named that forest Hell's Hollow. Hell Hollow. Okay. Yep. No fear at all. People are wild, everybody. They are. So, but I can picture this guy. We yeah, know this guy absolutely. in the area that we are in. You know, this is your rugged outdoorsman and he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's an expert. Well, while leading the hunting party to their camp, Rivers gets ahead of the group. And then they continue on. And when they get to the camp, he is not there. So the hunters arrive, their guide who has got a little bit ahead of them is not at the camp waiting for them. This was the last time Rivers was ever seen. So the hunters aren't overly concerned at first, as I've indicated, super experienced guy. But when he never reappears and, you know, you're waiting hours or or however long that they were. And you're in hell hollow. You're in hell hollow. You've been led here and now you've kind of just been left alone. Well, then they get concerned and they're obviously able to make it back. Uh, to um, populated areas and 300 people who included concerned locals and U.S. Army soldiers because nearby was Massachusetts Fort Devens Mm -hmm. conducted um, an extensive search. I think they covered um, eight days worth of the forest. So they are combing this forest for eight days looking for Mitty Rivers. The only evidence found ever of Mitty Rivers was a spent rifle cartridge that was of the same type Rivers used. Okay. So it's not even necessarily linked to him. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of experienced hunters and outdoorsmen who probably use the same type of gun with the same type of cartridges. Right. Right. So there was no evidence of an animal attack found anywhere. No body, no blood, no fur, no remains ever found. Just nothing. Gone. Did the rock eat him? I don't know. I, did did the rock eat him? He was boulder bitten. The consensus oh. <laughs> I've been boulder bitten. The consensus is that a person with rivers experience would have the survival skills. Definitely. Yeah. For anything nature could have thrown yeah. at him, except for a man eating boulder. And I think people continued, even after searching the forest for eight days, to feel that rivers would resurface, that he would yeah. just reappear. Yeah. Um, you know, if he got lost, he'd be able to survive for a mm-hmm. long period of time. But he never did. The location of his disappearance was near, and you'll hear this name a couple of times, Long Trail Road okay. and Vermont Route 9. So if you're looking okay. at your map, it was uh, off of Vermont Route 9 and Long Trail Road goes through there, up kind of through the triangle and into uh, the woods in near Glastonbury Mountain. Okay. So there's Mitty Rivers. He's He has disappeared. One of the most publicized disappearances was that of Paula Weldon. So a couple of things about Paula. Um, she is described, and I'll just tell you now, of uh, the oldest of four girls. She was five foot five and 123 pounds. She was pretty athletic. Uh, she had a grayish scar on her ne- left knee, a vaccine mark on her right thigh, and a small scar under her left eyebrow. So people loved her enough to know all of these details yeah. as she comes missing. She was an 18-year-old sophomore at Bennington University. So Bennington is a town right there, near there, and there's obviously a college or university there. On December 1st of 1946, while dressed in a lightweight red jacket with a fur hood and jeans with white sneakers and a gold watch, she went hiking on the long trail. She had told her roommate she was going to take a break from studying and go hiking. I think that happens. You get in. And if we think about December 1st, December 1st in most colleges, you're getting into finals Uh time, right? So Uh she's probably been studying hard and and needs a break. There were eyewitnesses that had seen Paula go, including an employee of a store in Bennington who gave her directions. She was said to have hitchhiked to the Long Trail in the Glastonbury Mountains in the afternoon. And it's 1946. Hitchhiking is pretty normal yeah, and yeah, acceptable at this time. Normal. Yeah, but it was observed that her jacket was definitely only appropriate for a short walk, okay, and not an extended hike. Yeah, she was seen on the trail, so she makes it. Oh, okay. She was seen there on the trail. There are witnesses by an older couple who were hiking about a hundred yards behind her for a while. 
They last saw her as she turned a corner, but when they got to that same spot, she was not seen again. No, her red jacket would have been hard to miss. So they, mm-hmm. if, if, unless they had fallen way behind and it doesn't say how old they are, you know, um, then they would have at least seen this jacket come up. Um, they would have seen her ahead of them again. Yeah. So no one was immediately concerned, but when she didn't attend her college classes the next morning, she became the subject of an extensive search. Her roommate said that she never returned home that night, but she didn't report it because she actually thought she was pulling an all-nighter in the college library. Oh, It's exam time, right? And so it's not until she doesn't show up to her class the next day that the roommate and others are like, okay. So she didn't come home. She obviously wasn't studying in the library, and now she is not at class. Mm -hmm. So there's an extensive search. The college even closes for several days. More than a thousand people searched, including there was aircraft surveillance, a posted $5,000 reward. And this is in 1946. Yeah, that's a lot of money. And there was FBI involvement. And let me tell you that part of the reason the FBI gets involved and it gets involved later to assist with the search is that at the time, Vermont had no statewide law enforcement agency. So think state police. Oh, God. There was no... Okay, so they needed help. They needed resources. In fact, all of these searches that we're hearing about early on are self-directed teams. So concerned citizens, um, you know, lovely Mm -hmm. people of the town, family members, they're organizing these searches. There's nothing... And thank God the Army gets involved because they're nearby and they assist. They don't tell me um, what the aircraft surveillance was, but I almost made the assumption that it was assistance from the military base that was nearby. Right. But still, not trained criminal investigators... Uh, out here at this point there was never a body there were no remains no evidence of an attack or anything found after Paula disappeared in too thin air now investigators did find a young man who had seen Paula soon before she disappeared okay Mm -hmm. he was a suspect when he told different accounts of how he spent December 1st Mm. and he allegedly told two different friends that he knew where she was buried. Oh. But later said he was only kidding. That's not funny, man. His name was never released, by the way. Okay. So I don't know how much accuracy there was to this. Did it happen? And is this, uh, did they rule him out that he was just somebody seeking attention and really just being crass and rude about the yeah. a young woman going missing? Right, right. So Paula's roommate, She did give some additional information and said that Paula had mentioned being a bit depressed and feeling homesick. And apparently she hadn't gone home for Thanksgiving. No reason was given. Money, who knows. But she she hadn't been home in quite a while. So she was really feeling homesick. Mm -hmm. Also note that the weather, when she left, so she's in this light jacket. I think it was probably appropriate for the weather at that time, but not for a long period. Because what happens here in Vermont, as we're used to in Michigan, is that it was probably, it was sunny and 50 degrees when Paula left. And by that evening, it was nine degrees. Yeah. And there were three inches of snow that fell. That's the exact weather that's happening here currently. And we're, we are actually recording this three days to the anniversary date of this. By the way, it's December 4th. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Right. So investigations also turned up some additional witnesses and strange incidences because I just want you to have all the information when we're okay. trying to figure this out. Paulo seen walking toward Route 67A. Okay. A Danny Fager, who was at a gas station right across from the college, saw Paula walking down the road at 2.30 p.m. Louis Knapp picked her up at 2.45 p.m. This is the guy that picked her up. So we know who picked up yeah. the hitchhiker, okay? Yeah, okay. And he drove her as far as where he lived on Route 9, which happened to be three miles from the trail she was going to hike. So he basically takes her there. And as soon as you say, oh, my God, it's Louie Knapp. He killed her, right? We know she was seen on the trail later. Right. So he he picks up the hitchhiker, takes her as far as where he lives, and she continues on the three miles to the trail. Then I'm assuming he probably had an alibi or something of where he went afterwards and wasn't just parking someplace else. And then so that he could follow her. Yeah, this is a possibility. Oh, okay. We don't know. All right. At 4 p.m. So that's what an hour and 15 minutes after he picks her up and gets her dropped off. 
Ernest Whitman and three of his friends were leaving a camp at Bickford Hollow and they saw Paula. So this, there are lots of camps within this Glastonbury mountain area. Okay. And you'll hear that people use these frequently. They were, they were recreational. Families would go and use them as well. Are they still there? Do people I, still use these? I think so. Oh, like I think that this is still a popular area to to hike and to go, and possibly this type of uh, you know a, a cult or supernatural behavior that actually doesn't deter people. No, it does not. Mm-mm. No, in fact, it it sometimes acts as a tourist attraction. Uh, for sure, not for this tourist, but it no, does correct. Happen. Like, uh-huh. and I'm not a camper anyway, but right. over my dead body, yes, yeah, I'll no. stay in town. <laughs> you tell me that there's man eating uh, rocks out there. And Word, nah, yeah, man, I'm rocks. good. And I'm out. So they, these four people, Whitman and his friends, see Paula uh, at about 4 p.m. She even asked Ernie, as he's known, about how long the trail was and then headed for the bridge that led to that trail. Okay. Now, other students reported seeing her farther up the trail past the bridge near Faye Fuller Camp. So another okay. camp. But it says that those weren't found to be reliable. Maybe a little party and students going on there. Okay. Or they couldn't really positively yeah. identify like, who uh, they maybe saw. Maybe I saw her. Maybe it was a mushroom hallucination. Exactly. Okay. It was 1946. Right. So. Um, here's some weird stuff that ne- doesn't necessarily fit, but I'm putting it out there for you. So there's a taxi driver named Abe Ruskin who reports that he had taken a student to a bus station on Sunday afternoon. So later that day, okay. but couldn't identify her as Paula. And no bus station clerks remembered anyone of her description. Okay. So he just comes cool. forward and says... That probably did happen, but it I remember taking a college right. girl I to the bus a, station, yeah. right? Here's one that's more interesting. A waitress at a local restaurant, and not local to the college, but local to over where she was hiking, mm-hmm. Aura Teletier said she served a girl matching Paula's description at 9.30 p.m. Sunday night. She said this girl was with a young man who was around 25 years old that was being drunk and acting, quote unquote, abusive. And I think in the 1940s, abusive doesn't mean he was physically abusing her. It just means he was being an ass, abusive Mm -hmm. to staff, vulgar language. And he's drunk. Aura said the girl signaled her to the table when the man went to the counter, presumably to pay. And the girl asked her, how far was it to Bennington, Vermont? Oh. And then asked the waitress where she was. Like, where am I? Oh. She told Aura she had to get to Bennington and that she had come with $1,000, but it was gone now. The girl mm. was dazed, but not drunk, and there was no evidence that she had been drinking. This woman was reportedly taller than Paula. So she did seem to fit Paula's description, but she was taller. There was no indication that she was wearing any of the same type of clothes that Paula had been reported as seeing, but it was enough that Aura was concerned that this was the same girl and, and that she was in she danger. Report it. So police determined then that there must have been two girls around Long Trail on Sunday, Paula and the girl that was with the man. Yeah. Two crimes possibly happening yeah. at once. We hear of that a lot, and it's fucking ridiculous. It is. Like, it is weird. It's terrifying to think of, like, all these other crimes are happening at the same time, and we find them. If you guys can hear my dog There's playing, a lovely fight happening here. They are play, that they're play wrestling, but they have to groan <laughs> while they do it. So I apologize. No, it's adorable. But they're being cute. <laughs> they are. They're being good. So police suspected, obviously, foul play. And speculated that Paula's body had been hidden. Yeah. Now, Paula's father, the following May, so we're in December, has to wait till the snow melts. And Mm -hmm. he does organize a search after the snow melts in the spring. And there was nothing. There was, again, no signs of a struggle, no body, nothing found. So the investigator in me is like, she probably took the hike. And then if this is a crime, she was abducted after her hike before she made it back. Or toward the end. Is there somebody here? Is there somebody here in the the mountains that is killing women, killing people and And disposing of them? Yeah, exactly. And you know, if there's a terrible accident that occurs and we've heard of people going off of trails before, because she was last seen kind of rounding a a corner, Mm -hmm. a a turn here by that older couple. And then of course, by the people earlier before the trail who saw her about 4 p.m. You're going to the way that they search and canvas these, they're going to go along the trail and then they're going to go in parties off of the trail as well. You would assume that you would find remains mm-hmm. from a terrible accident that occurred. Right. There's just nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. There's so just it, nothing. I'm just wondering, you know, she hitchhiked to get there, which means she would have had to hitchhike to get back. 
could that have been? She was abducted at that point and taken to a different state, taken to God only knows. Right. Interesting. But interestingly enough, there were a, a number of people who saw her come in. Nobody ever reports seeing her come out. Right. Right. Of the woods. So That's and again, true. That's not a good super point. populated, but there's these camps here. Yeah. And yeah. she's dressed in uh, very descriptively. Mm-hmm. And, and you would notice that she was also dressed inappropriately for the weather as it starts to get colder and colder. Right. So again, Paula's father, he ends up, he gets pretty upset about the lack of formal and sophisticated methods on the case. Mm -hmm. And either coincidentally or perhaps as a catalyst uh, after this event, seven months after his complaints, the Vermont State Police was founded. Oh, so yep. Put that here. Put that there. Also, something good may, you know, have have come of this. So there we have Paula's. Next is, is sad. Okay. So we have Paul Jepson. So on October 12th of 1950, on Columbus Day, eight-year-old Paul Jepson tragically disappeared. Eight years old. We have a baby. Mm. Yeah. So Paul's mom had been working as a caretaker at a local dump, and okay. she loads Paul up in a, her truck. A caretaker of a local dump? Yeah. I didn't know that... Such a thing exists. Okay. Yeah. So haven't you ever been to a dump to dispose of your stuff and there's a yeah. person working there of to assist you? Yeah, I guess you? I never like thought about their title. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. and apparently they had um, some pigs there as well, which almost oh. makes sense, right? Sure. So what she was doing was she was running a short errand for work and to tend to her pigs. Oh, great. So she brings Paul with her in her truck and they had for work. Um, as she gets out of the truck, because it's just going to be a short errand uh, to check on those piggies and to tend to the dump, she leaves Paul in the truck, planning to be back quick, and instructs Paul to stay in the truck, right? Okay. Yeah, as you I, do. As you, you say, do. Yeah. Stay right here. I'm running in the house real quick. I'll For be sure. right back. But as is every mom's nightmare, when she gets back to her truck, Paul is gone, just without a trace. Paul had also been wearing an easily visible and identifiable bright red jacket. So he also really? was wearing a bright red jacket. Yes. Oh my gosh. What if Bigfoot is attracted to red like girl? Yes, I know. And I'm going to get to in, in a minute mm. kind of, so I'll just tell you now, superstition begins after this case that it is bad luck to wear red in this forest. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. yeah. And now these are the only two accounts I'm aware of, of a red jacket, Still. unless Mitty Rivers was wearing one too, but I venture to guess he was wearing maybe some Hunter's orange, some camo. Mitty brown. was wearing some car. Yeah. Mitty wasn't, <laughs> Mitty wasn't wearing a red fur jacket. So, but Paul was, and um, mom is is devastated. She doesn't immediately panic though, because like most of us, she looks around for him in the area. Mm-hmm. You know, she calls for him. She tracks herself a little bit into the woods and is yelling for Paul. And then when she is seeing no signs of him, she reports him missing. And again, hundreds of people gather to search. So this community yeah. is is used to searching. Oh my God. Yeah. Could you imagine like, here we go again. Here, another mm-hmm. person missing. And this time it's a baby. Right. You have and, an eight-year-old. And no wonder. These are all probably very much the same people. And they're like, we're looking for another red jacket. Yeah. No wonder why they're like, this is bad luck. Don't this wear is red. Bad. No this. shit, right? Yeah. Well, this time they bring bloodhounds in. Okay. And the dogs pick up his scent and they follow it toward Glastonbury Mountain. But they lose the trail at a crossroads, like an actual road. This led to some suspicion that Paul could have been abducted Uh by a motorist. Sure. Okay. So we have a person, a killer, or did in the mountains, or did it just so happen that this kid happens to run off and disappears because he is literally picked up and kidnapped by a driver? Uh, Yeah. Uh, Right? uh, uh. Paul's dad said that his son had recently been talking about visiting the mountains. For several days and, you know, a impulsivity of eight-year-olds, eight-year-old boys especially, he, um, I, I don't think that there was, that he was stolen from the truck in that short period of time. Okay. No signs of a struggle. I think he literally got out got of the out truck of the and, and, and wandered off. Didn't listen to yes. mom's stay right here. He vanished without possible. a trace. There's no evidence, of, no remains. And again, we know if they lost his scent at the road, that period to canvas from the dump to where that road is uh, up into the mountains, that he was never found. So right. he didn't have a, tra- that we're aware of, didn't have a tragic accident, fall, yeah. hit his head, anything well, like the that. the dogs more than you know, more And than they could have found him. Them. Correct. If they followed it that far, right? Yeah. And for them to lose the trail at a crossroads, I mean, a dog's going to, it's in a fucking river. They're going to follow it across yep. the road and continue. So he yep. disappeared. Something picked him up. Wow. Yes. Okay. UFO. Truck. UFO. <gasps> a Bigfoot Big carried foot. him off. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, again, this is when the kind of superstition begins that begins that you're not going to be wearing red yeah. in the forest anymore. Yeah. So this brings me to Frida Langer. On October 28th of 1950, only 16 days after Paul disappears. Oh, shit. 16 days. Frida Langer went missing during a family camping trip in the woods around Glastonbury Mountain at Somerset Reservoir. Do you think we've got a serial killer? Yes, I do. I think we've got a serial it's, killer. It's just one of the thoughts. So, yeah. But we've got, we've got her disappearing that, well, let me tell you about it a little bit. So she's camping, and I think this is something that they did. Um, they're at this reservoir in the mountains. <clears throat> she was 53 years old, and she and her cousin Herbert Elsner went hiking from the campsite. So the whole family's at the campsite. She and Herbert decide to take a little uh, hike. And this I can relate to with Frida. As they're a short distance from the campsite, she slips and falls in a creek. Yes, yes. Soaking her clothes and her (laughs) shoes. And uh, this is when she says to Herbert, so I'm going to go back and change. Yep. Good call. Can you just wait for me, uh, cousin, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my uh, wet clothes off. So she decides to uh, run back to the camp and change. Herbert waits for her there. And then he waits for her there. And then he waits for her there. And keeps waiting for her there. He waited for a while. And when she didn't return, he went back to camp. But Frida wasn't there. And she had never returned there. Okay. So she never comes back to camp. It is broad daylight. And she has disappeared. What the hell? You know what would be weird if it was a serial killer, though? These are all very different types of people. They're different ages, different sexes. That's crazy. I have no indication that Frida's wet clothes included a red jacket, but maybe. Yeah, we don't. That wasn't explained. Mm -hmm. So over weeks, search parties of upwards of 400 people, including police and fire, soldiers and air searches. God, and this is not a far time span from the other, you know, the other girl. 16 days. Right, from the little boy. But the other gal, Pamela, it was just a few years. So it's like, damn. It continuing to happen. They, um, and again, there were air searches and everything, um, and a very short distance from the camp to where she fell in the creek. Yeah. Like how, literally she could just walk back to her camp. Exactly. They look for Frida with no results. She was beamed up or ate by a boulder. This is, this is why these rumors are perpetuated. These theories, because these, it seems implausible that there would not be some evidence of that person. Tire tracks, even like something. A swatch of cloth on a on you know a a a trail of some kind. Did Uh, she take all of her clothes off and go off naked someplace? Right. What if what if she hit her head when she fell, Sharna? Yeah, and wandered. Yeah. Did she get lost? Wander off? But then, but we never find her body. I didn't say that. Oh, sorry. Okay, I thought you. I have got some info for you, and you aren't gonna like it. Okay. I rarely do. Seven seven months later, May 12th of 1951. So we are from October 28th to May 12th. Winter has happened. Frida's remains were found near Somerset Reservoir. This place had been extensively searched. Right. The body was decomposed so badly that no cause of death could be determined. Damn. But they are almost 100% sure that that body was placed there. Oh, shit. It was not there. She didn't just wander off and they missed that spot. And when we It had been extensively searched. And a reservoir isn't deep. No, so reservoirs in the mountains are, they're mountain lakes. Yeah. What we would call a lake or whatever, it's the same as in Colorado. They tend to call this buildup at the bottom of a mountain a reservoir. Yeah. And so she she wasn't in the water. She was, and there was a campground there, and she was found right there near Somerset Reservoir in an open area. I believe it was kind of like an open, if not field, but just an open so not area. Even trying to be hidden. No, and again, extensively searched, and the body had been had decomposed badly. Now, what I want to know are certain things that aren't told me. Like, does it appear that there was a struggle there? As a body decomposes, the area around it, you can usually find out whether or not it decomposed there or was placed there. there. I mean, I've even dealt with recent homicides where you can tell that it didn't happen there. It happened someplace else and they were placed there. But again, they couldn't tell if this was a murder or something else because she decomposed so badly, no cause of death could be determined. To me, that means at the very least, they didn't find on skeletal remains any type of blunt force trauma or anything. And you know what's interesting about the decomposition? 
this was a winter. If she'd been laying out there that whole It was winter, fall. It was October 28th, but we know right? that it gets snow. It, and and cold. Very. So I would there we're not talking about a environment that would say happen in Florida. Where you decompose to, quick. Yes, where it's going to increase your decomposition. Um, we're talking about a, nine degree a nights. Very, you know, cold area and then a whole winter. Damn, that's interesting the amount of decomp that had happened to the point where they couldn't even determine anything. So was I, she identified by dental records? How did they it or didn't does it say, say it didn't say other than that she was identified, I would assume in nineteen yeah. yeah. Um it did not say. But just okay. that her body was decomposed so badly that they couldn't determine the cause of death, but they know that it was our missing Frida Linger. This is the only case where a body or any evidence was found, was found of this group of people that I'm, I'm giving you today that disappeared in that time span. I like your theory about falling and hitting her head and being confused. I but mean, and is it possible that she that they just missed that? But it the, it's clearly we, described we as an open out, area. Yeah, we can't rule out human error. You know, we of can't. just like they just missed her, they just didn't. But see I her, don't but like damn. how descriptive they were about the 400 people on the air searches. And this wasn't like in a super wooded area. This is by the reservoir where there's some open area, and it had been. They describe it as being searched extensively. I have no reason not to believe that. Right, and usually they literally will walk side by side. People like a line. We of people. know we've seen it, right? And that's how you do. Now yeah. remember, this is pre um, Vermont State Police. This yep. is around the same time frame as when. Paul died and um, his dad's complaints later led to the forming of that. But we still at least have um, local, whatever their local police are and fire and army and yeah. air. So there right. was some Organizing organization this to stuff. it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So Damn. there's one more disappearance I want to talk to you about. Okay. And this actually goes back a year and not uh, back a year from when this last death occurred. And this is James Tedford or James Tedford. It's so this is even before the eight year old boy. Yes. In okay. fact, this is exactly three years after Paula Weldon went missing. Okay. So it was on December 1st of 1949. Oh my God, the exact date. Exact date. Ooh. December 1st, 1949. Don't like that. James goes missing. However, this was not a disappearance in the woods. This is a little bit weirder. Okay. Just unexplained. And I thought worth bringing up. Sure. So James was a World War II veteran. And he was returning to the soldier's home in Bennington. So apparently there's this, you know, place mm -hmm. that uh, that they stay. After he had visited family in a town called St. Albans. So he's on a public bus carrying 14 passengers when it leaves St. Albans. But when they get to Bennington, he was not on the bus. So somehow he disappears between St. Albans and Bennington. His luggage was in the rack. And all of his personal effects were in their seat. Oh. No one ever noticed James get off the bus. And nothing suspicious occurred on the bus ride per the passengers. That, there you go. Had he not, there was speculation had he not boarded to begin with. But if not, his stuff was his, all there. Why are his personal effects on the seat if he didn't board to begin with? One passenger speculated that had he maybe got off to talk to a friend at the stop before Bennington, and if so, why wouldn't he have got back on the bus? Or if he missed the bus because he was off talking to somebody, why didn't he make it the one next stop to Bennington to get all of his, his shit? stuff, yeah. Also, would you just leave all your stuff out on the seat and then get off the bus to go talk to your friends? I just don't. I, I mean, I personally wouldn't, want but me to maybe add, at this time. Want me to add to the weirdness? Yeah. Apparently, Tedford's wife had vanished a few years prior. He got home from the war and she was gone. Oh, so people began to speculate that maybe there were some mental health issues here. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, um, PTSD, sure. combat course. veteran. Um, but that's it. James Tedford vanished without a trace on a bus ride between, um, what did I say it was again? St. Albans and Bennington. And that's it. That's terrifying. Disappears. Like someone can just poof. Correct. And again, 14 passengers total on this bus. Yeah. Um, you, and he's in this triangle, essentially. You're, yeah, I think this is one that they said happened to be, I mean, because it was from one place to the other, but at least happens near enough that, mm -hmm. that they found it mysterious that all of these weird and bad things are, are happening. So there's nothing to tie these cases together other than location and time frame. Okay, right. So tell me, tell me, some, tell me some thoughts. 
Okay, well, you know, my first thought was serial killer. And it's the top of my list. Yeah. Serial killer. We have a serial killer here. I could, and especially in this time frame, boy, where serial killers just rampant. We have people being raised from World War I veterans, World War II veterans, um, lots of childhood trauma. We went through the Depression. There, it, it, life was hard. Yep. And it when we knew nothing about mental health, we knew nothing about trauma-focused uh, therapies, nothing. anything like that. And it often bred just an entire uh, generation or more of serial killers. Sociopaths. And so, yeah. Yes, yes. So I, I'm, I'm apt to believe that. Or but just what do we have to tie things? together? Like, why would a serial killer target these different people? Right, or that's what bothers me. Could the serial killer's MO just be alone in the woods? Lost in the woods, alone in the woods, and you've become my victim. You're who, I, who I'm interested right. in. It, uh, the means motive and opportunity. It's just an opportunity. This Correct. eight-year-old's walking. Pamela was walking. This dude, you know. So it, it's just easy prey, I guess you could say. Um, Other than the one... Um, body that was found Mm -hmm. we don't see any remains come up they're not leaving any evidence or trace okay i will pose this since if we assume that the last gal please remind me of her name oh sorry i'm sorry and i need to remind myself as well it was frida frida thank you frida langer so frida if we're to assume that frida just um was overlooked she had been there the whole time and she was overlooked is it possible human error um that the other two were just are simply still out there and were overlooked maybe bones carried off by animals that can Maybe absolutely Bigfoot happen. The yes, there you go. I mean, it, we know that possible. the location there's, there's bears, there's cougars, and I looked up a lot of that about animals potentially attacking. But remember, in terms of the experts' thoughts on there being a bear or a cougar attack, there would be some type of evidence, DNA evidence. Yeah, um, it's going to be blood, gory. skin, mm-hmm. clothing, those type of things, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, uh, the bear, the bear, the bears that were in that location and certainly um, any cougars or mountain lions, they're not going to be able to carry off without some type of evidence, right, something leaving, that large. They're leaving traces. And it wouldn't mm-hmm. be in the nature of the cats to carry something off anyway. No, no. They do their gross guys, but feeding and such right, right there. Right there. Yeah, exactly. And again, you're going to have evidence. You're going to have DNA. Yes. And, but could the evidence in DNA have been overlooked sure. by humans during the search? Potentially. And then weather happens and washes it away. So I, I like that you brought that up because um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit here about Indian curses. I'm also going to talk yeah. to you about, as you indicated, and I love that you brought this up, this paranormal window, like a gate yeah, or a portal. It's a portal. I literally mm-hmm. wrote that in my notes, love. <laughs> Unstable wind and weather patterns, uh, allowing people or um, uh, forcing people to get lost yeah, because okay, of them. Sure. And then we have Bigfoot, you know, the, the Bennington monster. So this area is famous not only for Bigfoot sightings and these missing persons, but remember, we also have reports of strange floating lights, other mysterious creatures, and UFOs. Mm-hmm. Now, there isn't a lot of UFO evidence, but hey, historically... Wasn't my a UFO abduction in Vermont? I Yeah, it, it was. was. Yeah. It was. And wasn't it around the same the time? Was it was, this it the, was in the uh, 1960s, okay, something like that. Okay, so this like was that? 40s and 50s, but that's but in the 1960s. I mean, that's fucking close enough. I kind me. of want to know if we, if you want to look that up while yeah, I'm talking, case on my where in Vermont it was. Because it, it was specific mountains, I think, as they were on their way yeah, home. Yeah, they were in mountains. I want to know which ones it all was. All right, all right. I'm going to look up my notes while you okay. keep talking. So I'm going to give you some history here. The history of the Bennington Triangle predates the colonization of North America. It has reportedly, this Bennington Triangle, quote, swallowed 40 people since the Native Americans' warnings early on. But the 1945 to 50 disappearances was was significant because it was the most that happened in a short span of time. So other than the man-eating stone that swallowed people, the Native Americans also stated the whole mountain, all of Glastonbury Mountain, was cursed. Why? Well, they indicated that the four winds met there in an eternal struggle. The Abenaki, which was a group of the Algonquin nation, believed that their god, Tabaldak, 
lived at the peak of Glastonbury Mountain. They would actually refuse to set foot there on the mountain period unless they were burying their dead. The Abenaki also told stories of a large, hairy, half-man creature that inhabited the mountain. Mm. And these, again, are predating uh, European civilization Mm -hmm. of this area. So that ghost town, Glastonbury, Happy Vermont, which is a site, reported, (laughs) I love that, that it thrived until the mid to late 1800s. Two murders, however, began the decline and also reaffirmed that the area was cursed and that it was haunted. So in 1892, and this is only, what, 60 years, Mm -hmm. 50 years prior to these things happening, these uh, missing people, Henry McDowell bludgeoned his co-worker, John Crowley, killing him. He was arrested, admitted he, quote-unquote, heard voices telling him to do it. He was sent to a mental hospital, and he escaped and was never seen again. Oh, shit. Okay. There is a rumor, a thought, that Mr. McDowell became some man of the mountain and was this escaped mental patient living in the mountain. Okay, okay, Uh, okay. I'm going to run with this for just a quick second. I knew you would. Because that makes sense. Also, if you think about, you know my comment I made earlier about Shaq? Yeah. So there are abnormally large humans in this world, and it's not new to our generations. Okay, it's it has expanded all of humanity. Yes. Right? Here we go. And of, we are obsessed with people who are taller or shorter yes. than an, an average human would I be. I would imagine walking, to, seeing a man as large as Shaq, the footprints that he leaves, he does have to have all of his shoes specially He's a made. Giant. He is. I imagine it would be very startling if you're not accustomed to. They don't have exposure like we do to television and all those things to know that other humans exist that are that large, right? And so it does make me wonder, is there humans that are, you know, just large like that? And they probably were ostracized for being so large and just went to live in the fucking woods where humans leave them alone. If we talk about weird conspiracy theories, we can be here all day. But I will tell you that there is a a maybe lesser well-known myth or thought that there were these redheaded giants oh. in the United States, and um, they probably immigrated from Scotland or Ireland for <laughs> right. crying out loud. Well, and you've heard about mounds and burial mounds uh, of or mounds of some kinds that are unexplained throughout mm-hmm. the uh, U.S. and I think a lot out west, but. People, some people think that there are these giants that exist. So the fact that there could be a giant uh, Sasquatch or furry humanoid uh, or just a human, like you said, that's sorry, Shaq, but you know, the the Shaquille O'Neal of 1942 covered in black hair. It, it could be explained. Now, Henry McDowell is not explained to have been a superhuman in terms of his height okay. or hairiness or anything. Okay. But I do find it interesting that he disappears and is never seen again after mm-hmm. he escapes from this mental hospital. And some people think that he's out there still um, killing in the oh. uh, triangle. Okay. You know, is it was it him. Can I um, tell you that I looked up the information on Betty and Barney? Tell me. This is kind of interesting, Megan. So we were wrong. It didn't happen in Vermont. It happened right next door in New Hampshire. Okay. So their abduction took place in um, on Webster Highway Route 3 in Lincoln, New Hampshire. And I wonder what mountains were near there. So, Because um, we have this issue in Massachusetts, in Vermont, and then this weird UFO sighting now in, in New Hampshire, which most people are familiar with the Betty and Barney case, but if not, go back because it's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, just south of Twin Mountain. Okay. As a matter of fact, is what it is. Um, now I want to do my research and see if there's a triangle in that area too. And, and near um, Franconia Notch, Franconia, Sorry, Franconia Notch, Notch a narrow mountainous stretch, stretch on the road. Um, they also were driving towards Cannon Mountain. I mean, they're going through all of these. I feel like we need to, I want to look up the Native American lore from that area. And I also am just going to say that if there is a Native American legend telling you something is cursed and not to go there, oh, don't, don't go do there. It. Don't do it. And while I'm looking at where the Bennington Triangle is, um, 
it is not far. I'm trying to zoom out, but it does not look like it is necessarily way far from the state line there. So that's They're not, interesting. It's not. My understanding from looking at the maps of where the triangle was, you could literally see Massachusetts. And, okay. and, and I mean, it was it was right there. The other I don't think the other triangle was that far away. And so um, it may be it's the same. Not, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But then, I mean, literally New Hampshire bus right, right there up as next well. to it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just just an interesting thought to the portal situation, right? And we've got this uh-huh. this all happening. Okay, fun. I love buying into exploring creepy shit like okay. this. Okay, so we have the 1892 murder that kind of helps Glastonbury become this ghost town that it is, okay. and all this creepy shit starts happening, and no one know nobody knows where Henry McDowell went. Right, Henry, where are you? Well, five years later in 1897, John Harbor is shot to death by an unknown person. The murder was never solved, and he lives in in Glastonbury. He was found to be, at the time of his death, in possession of a loaded gun. So you've got this, you know, woodsy guy who likes to live in a population of probably 200 people at the time. It had dressed, and maybe they were down to the 40s at that point. Um, It is quickly becoming a ghost town, and he's shot to death by somebody unknown, and and uh, it's never solved. Somebody drew quicker than he did because his gun was still fully loaded. Perhaps. I do believe, by the way, that this was more of a shotgun hunting gun, not not talking like oh, a handgun okay. or something yeah. dual-wise. Dual so, um, But he did have some type of protection and is found shot to death. In 1898, so a year after, just so you know what happened to Glastonbury, a massive flood basically oh, guts shit. the town. It damages the largest resort. And destroys the railroad tracks. They're oh, done at this no. point. Yep, yep. So by 1937, which is what, you know, uh, 39 years later, um, the town was disincorporated. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it became a ghost town. Very pretty centrally located here within this triangle where bad shit happens. Wow, that's sad. So was it a serial killer, kidnapper, Bigfoot, man-eating rock, uh, weather, or... A horrible series of accidents that mm-hmm. this was just never it's solved. Just not a great, like the Native Americans, like this isn't well, good juju here. Let me throw one thing out that I found, because you know I like to do research that goes beyond, and I like to find out things. So I look up weather patterns, right? Yeah. But this rock thing, I just can't get it out of my head. Yes, it's, it is is tantalizing to me. What What theory could you think of? Just using your analytical brain, if you're on a rock and it sucks you up, Okay. I'm what thinking, might it be? I'm thinking sinkhole. I'm thinking Girl, sinkhole. Yeah. <laughs> One yeah. sort sinkhole quicksand. Yes. Okay, so I look up the possibility of sinkholes and you read enough or go to Florida enough and you hear horror stories about sinkholes swallowing people, right. houses, cars. And quicksand is a real thing. It, it is. does happen. Well, One of the sources that I read said the mountains in Bennington do have sinkholes. Okay. This would explain the Abenaki legend of the man-eating stone. Right. And also disappearing without a trace because they wouldn't have understood how to explain this. No. I mean, lots of gods and myths and legends start because humans at the time don't know they, how to explain right, what happened. They cannot explain it. And who who wants to believe that the earth can literally eat you? Right. That's terrifying. So, and I didn't even write this down, but as I'm looking through these reports of sinkholes, one guy reports, I do not know how accurate this is, that he was talking to a guy, and I'm picturing it right now, right? You've got this guy in a hat and suspenders, and he's talking to me <laughs> about how, well, I was out loading some logs, and I hooked up to a log to pull with my truck. And all of a sudden, I couldn't go anywhere, he says. So I get out my truck, and there's a si- back of my truck's being eaten by the ground. Right. By a sinkhole. So this guy who he reports it to, who's a, who's a media guy, is like, I've got to check and see if it's possible. So there's reports of sinkholes in Vermont. There are reports of sinkholes in Bennington itself, in that area. Well, God, especially it, if we have a if we have floods happening and we're softening well, the earth, and I'm not going to give you a whole research project, but you can look up what's called karst terrain, K A R S T. Okay, and if this karst terrain is the area that is overla- uh, overlying soluble like sedimentary rock, uh-huh. and depending on your karst terrain or your levels of karst. This is what can lead to a sinkhole forming. Sure. And while they're saying, the research that I read, that there's nothing like the ones that we hear of in Florida that could happen there, that is not to say that we couldn't have, they couldn't have a sinkhole in that area that would be large enough to suck in a person, mm-hmm. the back of a vehicle, mm-hmm. and certainly leave it without it. Now, would there be evidence of a sinkhole? Do they fill back in? This is stuff that I don't know, and I think it probably just depends on the terrain around you. 
but have people literally been eaten by the a mountain? Right. In right. this case. And just and in well, that would explain the Native American. It would. <sighs> two people thought, two yes. people I think are just obvious. We we know that the body was found of uh what's my gal's name again? This is just I know. awful of oh, me. Oh gosh. It was a really cool name too. That's why I can't Frida. remember. Frida. Frida. It's different. So oh, Frida. Frida. So Frida is her body is found or put there later. And then I also think that it's just so highly probable that little Paul was kidnapped or taken from the yes, road since they lost track of the a pedophile of Absolutely. the right. Mm-hmm. So but those could two Pamela have fallen into a sinkhole. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think she absolutely could have. And then we have the hunter, Mitty Rivers, yes, who Mitty. goes missing. Mitty, 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 Mitty. And then obviously our soldier was, you know, sucked up by a UFO while he was on the bus. Because we have no explanation for Clearly, him. Clearly that's what happened. There yeah. is no other reasonable explanation. So Gee. there I bring you the unsolved murders or case that is the most popular in vermont it comes up as the biggest unsolved um case and in that state the missing people of the bennington triangle that was fascinating what a fucking ride you took us on today put it down man i see why i wouldn't have been able to either if i'd stumbled upon that in my travelings of the internet Wow. I mean, there's a couple others that I find interesting too, but that one just drew my attention. So I've got a couple things for you for a brain bath. I'm going to bathe you. I don't feel like I traumatized you very much. You did not. No, you fascinated me more than anything. I fascinated you. So in terms of being fascinated and thinking about the mysteries of the unknown, let me just bring you back and ground you to a level of how stupid humans are. Are we? Are you bringing me a Florida man story? I am. Yes, I bring you. I bring you one Florida man story to start off with, and then a couple others. This is how we ground us back into reality. I just like to know Florida. So uh, WFLA.com. So this is a Florida news channel. Okay. The title just says "Bad Idea, Brad." <laughs> Florida man accused of stealing from Walmart full of deputies. Oh God! So St. Cloud, Florida. A Florida, bad idea, Brad. Bad idea, Brad. Florida man got in trouble with the law after he allegedly tried to make off with stolen goods from a Walmart full of law enforcement, according to the Osceola County Sheriff's Office. Why were there so many law enforcement officers there? Well, let me tell you. So the Sheriff's Office wrote on Facebook that the would-be thief, only identified as Brad, tried to steal from a Walmart in St. Cloud. The thing is, Brad decided to conduct his botched heist at the same time the Walmart was holding shop with a cop oh, uh, during December. Oh, no shit. Where deputies spend their time with local children, according to the Facebook post. Bad. Brad. Bad. Brad. He did not research. your events, man. He did they, not research. You know, my Facebook events tell me all the time events happening yeah. near me. Obviously, Chanel, Brad did not check this. Situational awareness. Yes. When you walk in to the Walmart to commit the crime and you see cops. uniformed yeah. officers, mm-hmm. that's the thing. The store, it says, quote unquote, was full of deputies, almost 40. Oh, my God. Besides the forensic team, the community service team, the CSOs, the OCSO majors, and Sheriff Marcos R. Lopez himself, the, the boy said. The sheriff was there. And then it just says, bad idea, Brad. Brad, Brad, Brad. That's right. That's right. You gotta know, honey. So, so was he blind? I don't. I don't think so. This is my he only reasonable explanation. He for was this. just Not dumb. Blind, just no. Nope, okay. Maybe high. I don't know. Yeah. He was a Florida man. That's the only other thing I can tell you. That in itself is the mystery. I know. So I want to give you a couple more. Right. Okay. So smoothradio.com. This is not a Florida man, but it does smoothradio. say smoothradio.com. Okay. <laughs> Burglar falls asleep on the job. So a retired couple from Lancashire returned home from their holiday in 2014 only to find a burglar fast asleep in their bed. Do you get Goldilocks vibes? Me, I do. Oh, he was like, I have never seen a down comforter like this. I got to try it out. Well, Mm. Martin Holtby and Pat Dyson were shocked to find that Lukas Szajnowski, Szajnowski, having a quiet nap. Not only that... But they, he had done their dishes, washed his underwear, and bought some groceries. Oh, he was just trying to live his life in clean undies. Pat said their house wasn't too tidy when they left for the trip, but that <laughs> Polish-born Chudzinowski had taken the time to tidy up. He was like, this place is a dump. If he, I'm going to nap here, I got to clean it right, first. Right. I think he was squatting, Charnel. Oh, he was trying so to squat. So she adds, he did burn an old saucepan, but that happens. <laughs> she wasn't upset. 
Oh my God. The Probably man- because he left it in better yeah. condition than he found it. Yeah. The man admitted burglary and was given a two year conditional discharge in order to pay 200 pounds in costs. Oh yeah. He was just a squatter that was yep. caught on the pot. Yeah. Well, so in the bed. Smooth. We're continuing with our smoothradio.com. Smooth radio. 97-108. Police didn't struggle finding Mac Yearwood in Florida, who was wanted in connection with an assault in 2016. After proudly uploading his wanted poster as his Facebook profile picture, no. one of his friends says, nice mugshot, to which he replies, thanks, buddy. Cop used his, cops used his Facebook to track him down, and he was soon arrested. Do, does, does he think that cops do not have social media? I, I must be. Oh, The my Stewart God. Police Department later wrote on Facebook, Facebook is a great way to communicate and connect with old friends and family. If you are wanted by the police, it's probably not a good idea to use the wanted of the week poster of yourself as your profile pic. Good advice. I have used Facebook and things people have posted on Facebook as um, information in my investigations several times. While we're looking at Facebook photos, this is a photo of Michael Baker and he is flipping off the camera. Sure is. if you can tell, is that he a has. Police car? It is a police okay. car in and a gas can in that picture. So list twenty five dot com in an article addressing the twenty five dumbest criminals states that in two thousand and twelve, Michael Michael Baker from Jenkins, Kentucky, made history in his own mind, but for all oh. the wrong reasons. History in his own mind. He is a wonderful, wonderful man he in his is. own mind. After he siphoned gas from a local police car, he posed next to it with a big smile on his face while also proudly saluting with his middle finger, or as I heard the other day, my unicorn fist. Oh, I like for that. For the camera. He then posed, posted the photo on Facebook. It went viral with thousands of views, but a couple days later, the police knocked on his door and arrested him. Imagine that. And I'm, It went viral. It did. That's the time it goes viral when you're committing a crime because people are sharing it saying, can you believe this dumb fuck? He obviously wanted people to believe his own dumb fuckery because yes. he posted it there. Yeah, and then the fucking happened. <sighs> And I'm going to oh. end the fucking happen. I'm going to end with this one. Also, 25 dumbest criminals from list25.com. Albert Jackson Dowdy could have easily been a character from the Home Alone films. And that's not an overstatement. Oh. Dowdy tried to break into a home by smashing a glass door with a paint can. Unfortunately, the can bounced off and broke open. <laughs> He's covered in paint. He eventually gets inside, but all he was able to collect was a can of tuna fish and a box of oatmeal. (laughs) On his way out, he steps in the spilled paint and officers followed the paint footprints (laughs) to a nearby motel and arrested him while he was enjoying his lunch tuna fish with oatmeal oh, you can't even put those two things together man you couldn't grab crackers or no nope. something that was that was all he was uh, he oh, was able to, to deal my with my god he literally led them with his footprints he did oh he did and he just wanted some food i almost don't feel bad about that if he hadn't made such a paint mess for that homeowner yeah i think it was just the whole trying to you know, break the window with a paint can. It spills everywhere. It bounces off. I picture it hitting him, you know, right in the face, like Joe Pesci. And he's like, the only thing that was missing is that he didn't light on fire. Right. (laughs) That we know of, that we're aware of. So, yep, there we have it. I hope you enjoyed your brain. Those were beautiful. Yeah, they were kind of fun. Thank you. I, I really liked those. All right. Well, if, and actually, if you like brain baths, guys, if you are a $10 a month Patreon member, then you get a full ass episode of brain Every only month. content. And you're going to want to join for December because we there's a special treat. It's an hour and a half long. Oh, good God. For December already that we have. So it's a little Merry Christmas. It will never, ever be released to the public. So you know what? You're going to want to, you're going to want to see that. Yeah. Those are your special ones. Yep. So, okay. And if you're curious, that is patreon.com forward slash crime curious to join Patreon or hit the link up in the show notes. Uh, follow us on social media, chat with us. It's us. We don't hire people out to talk for us. That The thought of that terrifies me. Oh, it I don't ever want somebody ever, to speak on my behalf. No, it will only ever be us replying ever. Um, and, you know, keep it curious, stay safe, and we'll talk it with y'all later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.